Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Josh Hallerman. You are listening to Just Films and That. This is the podcast where we talk about films we think are underrated, underseen, or we just want to talk about them. It's a listener's suggestion this week when we're talking about small soldiers. So, let's see what we think. Alice. Mm-hmm. War. Huh. Huh. Good God, yeah. What? What is it good for? Absolutely Making nothing. little toys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, small soldiers. So this is a list of suggestions which you've picked from our vast raft of emails and all that that we get about list of suggestions. Mm. So I believe it was picked by Simon. It was picked by Simon, yes. So what is it about and why has Simon said he's going to pick it? So Small Soldiers is a DreamWorks film. It's an action comedy all about two factions of toys that become sentient after being programmed with a military microprocessor. The two factions are the Commando Elite that are like your all-American soldiers and the Gorgonites who are funky-looking alien-type creatures who, according to the Commando Elite, must be destroyed. The toys wreak havoc on a neighbourhood after they arrive at a toy shop that seems to be mostly run by a 14-year-old boy called Alan. He vows to help the Gorgonites making enemies of the Commando Elite who are able to fashion weapons and physically assault and restrain people, mostly Alan's neighbours and friends. Um, So this is the message that Simon sent to us. He says, to Alice and Josh, you have a great podcast. Oh, Oh, thank you, Simon. Simon, You shouldn't have. He goes on, he says, I've been listening through the films I have seen and trying to watch through the ones I haven't that you've covered. My recommendation for a film to cover is Small Soldiers, a film I loved as a kid that I don't hear talked about much anymore. Also, having seen the ratings online, I believe it to be underrated, maybe a bit underseen, but it is over 20 years old, so maybe that's why it's not as talked about. All the best from... Simon. Well, thank you so much for your message, Simon. And if anyone else wants to tell us how great the podcast is. Cheers. Cheers, Simon. Thank you very much. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. And we will pay the money into your account. um, Not giving the game away. (laughs) And so, Josh, had you seen Small Soldiers before? Do you know what, Alice? I had seen Small Soldiers before. I I saw it in the pictures, I think. I definitely have seen it. I think I saw it in the pictures. And I, just, I remember loving it when I was a kid. Yeah. I remember absolutely mm-hmm. loving it as a kid. What about you? Had you seen Small Soldiers before? I don't, so I don't think so. Like a lot of the sort of imagery felt familiar. And the fact that Tommy Lee Jones plays Chip Hazard, mm. that kind of felt familiar as well. But I don't really remember sitting down and watching it. So I think I was just really aware of when it came out, maybe seeing the trailer on a VHS or whatever it may yeah, have been. Yeah. But I don't think I actually got around to sitting down oh, and right. watching it. But I had heard of it, so there's that. Ah, I, thought, I thought we'd both have seen this one, but 
There you go. Well, it's surprising that I didn't really sort of around, you know, about the right time. It's kind of like Terminator for kids, you know, with all the fighting <laughs> and the, you know, explosives <laughs> and the weapons. But no, hadn't got around to this one, surprisingly. Oh, okay, but no, so, I mean, I was interested to go back to it as an mm. adult. With a critical eye and, and, and mm. see what I thought. I have managed to avoid, I think I've managed to avoid the critical reception, but oh, good. let's get stuck in and let's see what we think. If it's un- So Simon reckons it's underrated and a bit underseen, but I think it's, mm-hmm. the prime thing is underrated, but it's a bit of both. Um, so what did we like then? What did you like going into it? Having not seen it before, what did you think? So, so in general, I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like buzzing after watching it no. but i think there were a, there were a lot of aspects to it that i did like and yeah. that i could really see the value in so I, I love the concept i think the concept it's great is great it's almost like you are bouncing off toy story a bit but it's going one step further a because the toys are in a live action world and b the toys interact with the humans instead of pretending that they aren't sentient yeah. um i think it looks brilliant for the time especially the way they've animated the toys i think still looks great it hasn't really dated and there's quite a lot going on visually because it's also toy focused which means the filmmakers obviously had a lot of fun with the props etc there's a pretty cool montage near the beginning of the film where you you sort of seeing like it's like a 3d printer creating some of the main character toys and this all just looked really impressive and then later on when the toys arrived at the shop they're breaking out of their packaging and stuff and i was watching that scene thinking i don't think you could make this look better even mm. now, even though this was back in, in 1998. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if they did it now, it would probably be the CGI, whereas this is a mix of CGI, and I, th- I think it's a mix of CGI and puppetry. Um, that's like it, that's, the, it? that's yeah. the impression I get from it anyway. But uh, no, you're right, it does it does look amazing. Like, the concept is... is I mean, it's almost limitless, isn't it? You could do so much mm-hmm. with it. Um, the idea of toys that... You say, the, the comparisons to Toy Story... Well, are, they are many. Are in, are in, <laughs> but they're also inevitable, aren't they, right? Yes. Especially because you've got that whole thing of, um, of DreamWorks. Is it DreamWorks and Pixar? Pixar? And they had, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. they had the whole thing of like A Bug's Life and Ants and, mm-hmm. you know, um, other ones. Cars and Planes yeah. is one, isn't it? I can't remember. Yeah, I but think there's, so. there's There's comparisons all the time because I think there's definitely been some sort of like intellectual property related shenanigans has gone on there Drama. but i would not well, possibly similar vibes aren't yeah they? similar yeah vibes coming um, from both of them they sort of quite yeah. similar kind of audience and methods and stuff so the the comparison is inevitable but we're not talking about toy story we're talking about this um yeah it looks great i mean the concept to the execution is really really good so you've got like the names of the soldiers are all like really ridiculous names like mm-hmm. like you say chip hazard who mm-hmm. has a hazardous chip I see the writer. I see what you're doing there. I see all your hard Clever. Layers, isn't it? It's layered. Um, Then you've got like, there's one called like Nick Nitro, another guy that's like, it's basically like they took the cast of Predator and then like turned them into toys. Um, So I love that. Loved all the look of the Gorgonites. It's very, um, it's very Ray Harryhausen, you know, Jason and the Argonauts and King Kong and that sort of thing. Like that. Right. Okay. So they, they sort of look like they're made out of clay. Mation, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? At points, so that's really good. The an- the animation of them, you know, there was some questionable CGI, but that it, I'll let it go. To be honest, the look, but the look of the Gorgonites, I think, is really good because of the animation mm-hmm. of them when they're moving. I think is is pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. And and then and then just the overall inventiveness of the film. Like I took a lot of it for granted, but then as I was as I was going along, I was like, someone's had to sit and think about how teeny tiny soldiers would make weapons out of like 
lawnmowers yes, and indeed. like a toaster. A toaster at, at one point and... they put CDs in a toaster. Yeah. Obviously tried to toast the CDs so then they catch fire and then launch the CDs at people. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. bold, um, creative. Yeah, so, so it's, it's, it's de- the star of the show is definitely like the inventiveness and the creativity and the concepts. Mm. Like, same as you. So so I suppose I haven't really said yet. I, I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not made for a 31-year-old bloke as far as I can mm-hmm. tell. But, I, I, you know, and there are, and there are flaws which we'll come on to, but I do think that um, overall it's, it's inventive, it's clever, and I think you could show that to a to a ten year old, nine year old now, and they'd probably still like a, a lot of it. I reckon so. Did you feel like? Did you feel nostalgic? When yeah, you were watching it's, it? it's like it's like anything, isn't it? Of around that time, there are films from around that time that aren't even any good. That make me feel yeah. that are that make like like for example. It, you know, I don't know, other people may feel differently, but like the 1998 or 1999 Godzilla, like right. it's shite. It's not very good. <laughs> but I but I like have a real affection for it because because mm. when you see something you're blown away by scale and size and stuff, it's um you know, it sticks with you when you're a kid. Um oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and then and then that's I suppose that brings back to another point, which is they do some really good stuff in this with scale, except it's scaled down rather than scaled up, which is back to that inventiveness um there's some good sort of little elements of comedy in there from from the ridiculousness of it you've got a lot of really good comedy actors in there got a really good great cast so you've got like you got you've got uh, is it gregory smith who's the lead kirsten dunce but then you've got like david cross dennis leary jay moore i think it's jay moore uh or more kevin dunn and then obviously phil hartman who's it's his last it's his last film role yeah. Um, sadly, before that voice, before his death. that voice, yeah. just iconic, just, wasn't it? I was it like, is. "Is that Troy McClure?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and obviously, it's his last film role, which is you know, it's awfully sad what happened to him. I'm not even gonna. I'm not. You know, we're not. We're not about making you sad. So Google it if you want to know what happened to Phil Hartman. It's really, really sad. Um, but it's a, it's a really good supporting cast, and their chops and their timing carry a lot of it. And I think it really comes into its own for me in the. Probably the last half an hour, the, the the final act, it builds up really, really well. Um, so yeah, the no, action, yeah. yeah, the the action really ramps it up, does. doesn't it? And yeah. you get, you do get like a full on ass- assault. It's like it's, it's like, like it's like a Home Alone meets Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I end, definitely definitely felt Home Alone vibes. Yeah. Definitely, because you're making use of what's around you, like these everyday sort of everyday objects and everyday utensils, but you can turn them into killer weapons, yeah. and that's pretty cool. So what else then? Was there anything else you liked? Um, so I thought the score and the soundtrack were brilliant. Yeah. So the score at times, it was very dramatic and very militant, which makes everything feel like quite exciting and tense. But then you also had some like Danny Elfman style playfulness in there as mm. well when focusing on the kids and their relationships, especially between Alan and Christy, who's like his love interest. And soundtrack wise, you've got Led Zeppelin, the Spice Girls, Rush, Queen, with so many more in there as and well. It's, it's not it, often you get Led Zeppelin giving permission. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, so they don't. They famously yeah. don't like they. You know, are really reluctant to let their music be used in films. So like, no stairway tonight. Yeah. So there's. there's <laughs> I've been waiting to use that. If quote you think about, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. Of, I'm trying to think of examples where the of, other than this. Obviously, you've got um, Thor, but that's uh, in Ragnarok. Oh, they use yeah, they use massive, the they use yeah. immigrant song about ten yeah, times. But lot. obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's from Marvel. They must have gone. We have unlimited money. We so, have fifty million dollars. Yeah. Please let us use only, just ten seconds of your song. I'm trying to think of the other ones I can think of. Oh, um, School of Rock uses the immigrant song, but to get it 
to be in School of Rock, Jack Black literally begged them. Like, there's a video I remember because I School of Rock is like one of my favorite films. So on the DVD, oh, there's it. an yeah. extra, and it's just Jack Black begging Led Zeppelin for you know the bit where they play the concert That's at the so end. Funny. They play the concert yeah, at the end. Yeah, yeah. Well, they recorded that. They must have recorded that first, or before they did the other bit with the Led Zeppelin song in it. So in it, he has all the crowd, and they're like going, "Please let us use the immigrant song in in oh, really in this wow. film." And so that's a nice bit of trivia. The, the fact that they chose to, to do it for a film about little small soldiers is interesting. I wonder what swayed them. Money, probably, probably what just did money. Say them. It's hard to say, isn't it? And because even some of the when you think about some of the people who were involved, like some really big hitters in there yeah. as well. And I think like two of the voices of the the Gwendy dolls with Sarah Michelle Gellar and Christina Ritchie and stuff. And if you look at, like, the credits, a lot of sort of famous names did all pop of, up. Um, so all of Spinal Tap. Like all of Spinal all Tap. Of Spinal and Tap. then it was, um, oh, who else was playing all the... Someone else was playing, like, a whole bunch, like, another ba- an American band or, or something was playing, like, a load of the, the Commander yeah, Elites. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember who it was, but I saw that come up as well. So it was just interesting that... A lot of big names seem to get involved, like a lot of people seem to be really excited mm. about it. Or slash, you know, there was a big Just budget all, and they were all, able to pay all them. Money. Yeah. So so I do wonder how if you're like what you said about Led Zeppelin being reluctant to let people use their songs. I wonder I wonder what happened there. I wonder if there's a DVD extra somewhere <laughs> of someone begging or someone begging. Just, to just, just, Mr. just Led Zeppelin going, No, no. No, and then the not director happening. going, Not happening. You want it for what? It's about a film about what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the director goes. It's about little soldiers that come to life. Yeah. Yeah. Use whatever you want. Yeah, I'm sold. I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, no, the music is good. Yeah, it is good. And it just all the sounds together and that coupled with the score, it all feels like it, it really adds to the atmosphere. It felt very cool, very upbeat and fast paced. And I could just really imagine that if you saw this as a kid, that you would think that it was just so cool. And that mm. all of those things sort of put together, the visuals and the sounds, it, I reckon it would be an awesome time. And I, I kind of, I, I wish I'd seen this as a kid because I bet I would have loved uh, it. Well, I, I did because I, I remember there's a lot of bits in it I, I didn't remember, but the whole bit where they burst through the garage door playing, whoa, yeah, that bit. Yeah, I remember cool, that bit because, cool. I mean, that bit's basically in it for the trailer, isn't it? Like, because mm-hmm. that I remember the trailer being that and then the guy saying, you put munitions, chips and toys, David Cross, because... Mm-hmm that's a trailer in it explaining the concept of a film in a minute or whatever but yeah no I remember coming out of the cinema and really loving it and, and like my friends loving it and, and all that mm. sort of stuff so yeah definitely I think I think it definitely gets a lot of stuff right doesn't it mm-hmm. yeah definitely for 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 a sort of kids slash family film and um one of one of the things I did note as well that even though it is led by a very young cast they're not like they don't feel too childish no. like you don't feel super disconnected because I think I've said this before but there's always a risk when you have very very young actors like child actors in these lead roles are you going to lose the adults like mm. are they going to disconnect because they can't relate to these kids the things that they like are too childish so it is mo- mostly just for the kids but I think they did a really good job like the two so Kirsten Dunst and uh, what was the young lad's name I think he he's, Alan he's definitely called Gregory I want to say Smith Greg yeah Gregory yeah. so Gregory and Kirsten I think were, were really good and they had quite a nice chemistry yeah, together did. as well they even did. considering they were so young okay so let's move on then to talking about things that we perhaps didn't like or that we'd change about the film now what do we think Alice because it's not perfect well nothing's perfect 
Set this podcast. Well, cheers, yes, Simon. I mean, well, cheers, 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 Simon. Cheers, Simon. Our, our Simon, <laughs> thank you. Uh, um, anyway, uh, yeah, what what didn't you like about the film? Is there much or was it overall okay or what? Hit, hit me with it. So it's not, this isn't a dislike, but like I said, I, I came away from it and I just didn't feel the the thing, right? I didn't feel the thing and I was like, I just felt... I suppose not even not I wouldn't go as harsh as to say underwhelmed but I just didn't mm. feel much so then I tried to analyze well why is this and so and in general is it? I've got why is it? well why is it? well I've got three points that sort of all lean into one another and all kind of come down to the same problem so I needed to be more emotionally invested in the toys, right? So in mm. their relationships to one another, in their relationships with the human characters. And I think this mostly comes down to having a pretty simple script that just missed a few beats, mm. right? So I need a bit more backstory as to why the Commando Elite want to kill the Gorgonites. I need a bit more from their conflict to fully buy into it. So you know how Buzz Lightyear kind of fully believes that he's an astronaut and you get to see some of his backstory like through adverts and such and then a bit similar with Woody as well, where you kind of understand what his motivations are and what their narrative is as a toy and why that matters. What does, the toy, what guys, does the toy represent in it? It's like, what, what does is... the toy represent? Yeah. Exactly, Josh. And I just didn't really feel that with this. It, it felt like because the only reason that they are sentient is because these guys have used these like military-grade chips to mm. put in them. It's like, that's the thing. And so they are just alive, like if you put a chip in your toaster or something. But I want I wanted a bit more. Give me like maybe a cartoon that they're in and, and show show some mm. emotional peril yeah. and some emotional depth or something. Why do I care about the Gorgonites? But that, but I need to a, care yeah, about them. That is a problem with the script though, isn't it? Because because they instead of doing that, what they do is make up that they're enemies on the on the spot. Y- y- so yeah, the guy it, it like, felt a bit like the guy that, the yeah, millionaire right. goes, Oh, you've got this line of soldier toys and you've got this line of monster toys and they're separate and then he goes, Well now they're enemies. So and I wonder then, is that is this is the whole thing a commentary on when you're doing things just for money, like it does lack the soul, right? Because I suppose I didn't feel much heart and I didn't feel much soul. But the whole point, the whole opening of the film is that this guy just wants to make tons and tons of money. He doesn't care how. It doesn't matter if these toys are dangerous, like what's going to sell, what's good. Mm. So I wonder if it's it that it does relate in that way. And I suppose in that way, it does make a bit of sense. Um. The other thing as well is that, so the toys' interactions with the human characters were really surface level. Like, they didn't get engrossed in long character-building conversations and would often just sort of answer each other with one word. Mm. And Archer the Gorgonite just very often ended up repeating himself, like, just repeating, like, these set lines of dialogue, almost like how Woody is when he's pretending to just be a toy. Yeah. Like, there's a snake in my boots. It was just kind of, just felt like that sort of over and over again. And sometimes the toys would speak and there would be a bit of a pause before the humans would answer, which for me indicated a bit of a disconnect in the action and in the script. So obviously it would have been very difficult to act under these circumstances, right? But a lot of the time it feels like the direction was just kind of, right, so now the toy has said X, Y, Z, so you need to look sad or look angry or whatever. And it was just that. And there was no, like, where's where's the guy with the tennis ball on his fingers or something, you know, acting mm. alongside the kids? It felt like all that was missing and that the kids were literally just looking at a toy, unanimated, no one reading the lines, or at least no one reading the lines in a, in any significant or sort of emotive way. And the script just always felt like every pause between 
dialogue just felt like a split second too long. So it felt like just, I suppose, just reminded you that you're watching a film mm. sort of thing. Like, and I guess it didn't flow properly. Um, and I just wanted more depth from it, I think. And I wanted, I wanted to care more. And I wonder if I'd seen and loved this film as a kid, if I would feel those things. Because I know that Ewoks Battle for Endor is hardly boasting the most complex <laughs> script ever, right? But what? the nostalgia is doing... I know, shocking. But the nostalgia in that film is doing a lot of the heavy lifting for me. So this makes me think that they wanted to keep this script a little bit more simple, maybe so that the kids could follow, so that there was no confusion on their part. So it was very clear who these guys are, who those guys are. But it just left me wanting a bit more. I just wanted to be emotionally invested. I wanted to cry at the end, Josh, when the Golden Knights <laughs> sail off into the sunset. I wanted to cry. Like, I wanted to feel that moment, and I just didn't. It's an interesting point, that, because I suppose I didn't see Ewoks when I was a kid. And I didn't... And yet you and still I, thought it was amazing, right? Incredible And it was, the, cinema it was a, a masterpiece. It was. No, but I, you know, when we did it, when we did that, I... Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I didn't have that emotional connection to it. so yeah. And I cried all the way through. Perhaps, so. perhaps that's similar to this. So I, we have picked up on very similar things because I noticed mm-hmm. that as well. Um, and I think it comes down to one issue, right? And this is sort of killing me a little bit to say it's killing it's killing eight-year-old me. Mm. And it doesn't mean it's not underrated because we'll look at the critical reception, but there's one main flaw with this film, right? It doesn't know who it's for. Okay. It absolutely reeks of a studio giving multiple writers a go. 
and then go well, in. There were there, so there's about four there writers four on it, right? Because two of them, yeah, two yeah. of them are Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio, who did all the parts, most of the characters of the Caribbean, Mask of Zorro, other stuff. So mm-hmm. you know, established blockbuster cinema writers, they know what is a hit. They know punchy dialogue. They know how to entertain an audience, right? I don't know if they did a go over of it or if they had the original idea, but anyway, for me, the whole film reeks of a of a of multiple writers having a go and ultimately not knowing who it's for. Right. So I, I feel like it needs to pick an audience and commit to it. And it doesn't. And all the issues in the film, that lack of engagement and that lack of depth, I think, come from that. You know, if you think about it, it's, it's, it's a halfway house between a kid's film, a family film. But yeah, not a kid's film, a family film and a mm-hmm. sort of like a teen film because mm-hmm. you've got jokes in there that and we've talked about this before with things like Road to El Dorado and Mouse Hunt and other films where there's jokes for the parents that like that land because they're like they're like going we know you're watching this with your kids so uh, mm-hmm. you know all this but in this there's like a, there's a bit where you know there's a storyline about how Kirsten Dunst's character only dates older guys mm-hmm. and you're like what film's that from and then there's a <laughs> then there's a joke in it about how um because Alan sees the toys talking his parents think he's on crack yeah, and you're like going she's saying she says are you on meth she says like crack. you're on crank for yeah. your crystal meth are you like, on heroin or no that doesn't it doesn't really land it really stuck out to me I literally went what what like some, crystal meth swear words yeah, as well there's like, a few swear words in it language. you know Kirsten Dunst's character seems way more mature than mm. Alan's and I think they're meant to be Alan. the same age and you know you could argue yeah. that all girls are more <laughs> mature than boys but it really sticks out in this film so I think that unbalanced you know the joke about the drugs, the other stuff, the bit where the, the commando soldiers are perving on the knockoff Barbie dolls. Yeah, it's like yeah, what? That was there, it's like there's a, there's a joke one of them makes about like, can we have Shirley? He's basically going, can we like go and bang these toys? Yeah, yeah <laughs> and yeah, you're yeah. like, and, and it really sticks out. So if it's a kids' film, right, then you focus on the Gorgonites and the relationship with Alan, and then I think you might get that payoff at the end of like Alan really loves them. But because they don't commit to that and they don't commit to being teen, a teen as well, I think the other thing you get is that Alan is a bit of a moody teenager in it. And there's mm-hmm. like there's there's references in it that he's been kicked out of multiple schools and he's got behavioural yeah. problems. Mm-hmm. And everything he does in it, he just comes across like a bit of a teenage sort of brat. Mm. But if you had it based in misunderstanding or based in, well, it's not his fault because X, Y, and Z, then that's that's how it works. So I think... There's a bit of an issue with that. And then that causes other issues as well, like pacing. They put, it's an hour and 50 or an hour and 45 or something like that. They put way too much time into the beginning to tell you how the chips get into the toys. It's about mm-hmm. half an hour before you see any toys. And the whole film is based mm-hmm. on like, oh, it's like, it's like soldier toys that are, are real. So there's a bit of that. I think, I think, yeah, like I say, we need more Alan's backstory in order for it to be he's our hero we need to care yes. about him i need to care about him because because I, I wanted to care about him because the fact that his dad basically leaves him to look after the shop mm. and then has a go at him when he doesn't do a great job i was mm. like well hang on a minute you've put mm. he's like 14 year old lad like you're putting a lot on his shoulders there so with things like that i was like oh does he feel you know does he feel a bit mistreated by his parents does he feel like he's got the weight of the world on his mm. shoulders does he feel like he's under too much pressure given his age but then it never quite it never quite sort of 
went over the edge of being like, oh yeah, you know, he's just really hard done by and I really care about him and I'm, you know, I'm so sorry that you're miserable and all this. Like with, you know, with John Connor in Terminator 2 where mm. it's like, God, you know, I'm so sorry this has happened to you. I feel the weight on your shoulders. And with him, it just didn't quite make it. Everything, everything just sort of felt a little bit like almost, like it was almost mm. there. And I think this is exactly what you were saying about when you've got too many writers, like a point gets made and they think, oh yeah, this is good, let's include that. But instead of like filling that out and, and sort of making that a really full and deep point. It's just, oh, but I've got another point and I think we need to get that in there too. Yeah. Like, oh, we need to show off more of the toys and, you know, we need to show off more of the CGI or the puppetry or whatever it is that we're doing. And so some things just got a bit left behind, I think. I think that's why it comes into its own towards the end because it's because it's all action, not not dialogue, right? So yeah. I think yeah. I think there's... It's not, you know, it's not awful. I just think... As a, I think no. what's more irritating about... About it is that it's wasted potential. The potential, you know, the potential and if they'd have the just, is great. if they'd have just committed to an audience, mm-hmm. it's a bit like we talked about with um, a little bit more with just my look when we were like, mm-hmm. is it a teen comedy or is it a rom com? Because yes. they're sort of too young for it to be a rom com, but they're too old for it to be a teen film. It's yeah. a bit like this. Do you want it to be about teenage angst and and that, or is it a family film about little soldiers? Because for me, I'd go family. Mm-hmm. Because because it's you know it is about toy soldiers, um, so, so I I think that's what's frustrating about it. So it's a bit tonally all over the place, and that can only really be for me to do with they've not they, they've obviously changed their minds as they've gone along and been like, what is who is this for? Who are we trying to you know is it a twelve A or is it a U? Who, yes. Who's it going to be? And so mm-hmm. I think that's what for me really stood out as an adult. Having said that, and I've made a, I'm making a point of saying this. I loved it when I was eight. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe you know, that's it. Maybe that's it. And I think, I, I, I think I would have loved it too. And I think you can look at that and literally just think, yeah, that is so fucking cool. And I reckon yeah. as an eight or nine year old, you'd be like, yeah, this is awesome. And I think I do think you'd really feel the energy. And as an eight or nine year old, I don't think I was looking for as much emotional depth in my films. Do <laughs> no. you know what I mean? So I do wonder if, sort of by accident, it's ended up being more of a a, a kids film because yeah. it, it's cool and it's loud and there's explosions and you know there's soldiers and aliens and all this stuff I th- it's it's the wasted potential for me as i say i loved it when i was a kid but looking at it now as an adult this film had the potential with the concept and the cast and other stuff to be one of those films that we've talked about before which is like that idea of name a christmas film that's not about christmas you know you always watch mm-hmm. it at christmas and like we've said mouse hunt paddington mm-hmm. um You've got that chitty chitty bang bang. And this could have been one of them. It could have been mm-hmm. one of those absolute family classics, but they didn't set their stall out right or they meddled along the way and it ended up a little bit of a tonal mess. Okay then, well that's the good and bad out of the way. So let's move on to the critical reception. Now I haven't seen the critical reception. Mm-hmm. And but if you were gonna whack, if you were say. gonna whack an hammer on it, Josh, if you were gonna throw a guess at me, I, so so, how do I think it? What would I give it? Probably like a six, right? Out mm-hmm. of ten. Okay, that's me now. And we've 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 dug it out a little bit in the dislikes, but let's not forget there was a lot we liked about it as well. Oh yeah, I would probably say I reckon it, it didn't do well critically because of the things we've mentioned because kids aren't film critics as far as I know. Um, oh, so adult, sure. I know. So adults are probably going into it saying similar stuff to what we've said. Maybe so I mm. would reckon it's maybe getting like a like a 
Oh, it's probably, I'd give it a six, but I reckon they're probably mm-hmm. harsher, maybe more of a five. So give, give it to me. Okay, so at the time of recording, over on IMDb, it gets 6.2 out okay. of 10. And then over on Rotten Tomatoes, the audience give it 45% out of 100. And then the critics give it 49%. So the critics actually gave it a little bit higher than the audience, which surprised me a tad. Um, so I reckon that that's kind of about what you said. Like six, I always find, I do tend to find, I think, for for the films that I'm not absolutely head over heels crazy about, that the IMDb score is usually pretty yeah, accurate. Yeah. So like that 6.2, I think is, is fair and is, I'd um, say so. Is, I'd is, say so. Is, is a correct assessment. I do think the Rotten Tomatoes scores, it's tricky because I can see where they're coming from mm. and I can see if you, if you can't be emotionally invested in those characters, then it might be hard to love it. Mm. Um. So so it's yeah, a tricky one. Like I can see where they're coming from, sort uh, of thing. Yeah, I mean, Not uh, that I necessarily agree. Yeah, I would say, I yeah, I, I would align myself more with the IMDb score. But if you average mm-hmm. it out, it's about just over a five out of ten, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I would say, based on that, it's underrated. Okay. Would you okay. agree with me? I think I think if yeah, if you're going for that low five, I would say it's underrated because because visually it was really impressive and mm. you can see all the work that's gone into it. And the fact that, it, I mean, I don't think it's aged poorly at no, all. Like no, if you no. look at other films from around the time who were maybe doing things as as ambitious as that, and then even later, like into the early 2000s, mm. some of the stuff has aged quite poorly. But they, I think it just looked fantastic and it was really colourful and it was really full and there was always so much going on on the screen. And I think, and I can definitely see that as a kid that you would love this. So... Yeah, I reckon I reckon it is underrated, and I reckon it is probably a bit underseen now with modern audiences maybe, as well. Maybe, I don't yeah, know it's if, probably a good show. I don't know if people are going back to this. If no, are, are sort of because if you, you know, again. if you're like me, we're of the age where we watch this as kids, and now we might watch it with our kids, right? Mm-hmm. And I probably wouldn't. Show it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say my kids couldn't watch it, but I wouldn't be like you know. There are kids where there are films where you think I'm excited. I might you might be excited to watch that with my kids if if kids are your mm-hmm. thing. Um, and this probably isn't one of them, and it's probably because of the reason we've said. But just to finish on, I do want to come back to that point, which is I loved this when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So maybe it did the right thing, but definitely those scores, it, looking at what we've just said there, underrated for me. Would you agree? Under, I do agree. Underrated and a little bit underseen as well. Well, there we go. Small soldiers underrated and a little bit underseen as well thank you so much simon yeah, for thanks, getting in simon. touch thank with you. your with your suggestion i'm so pleased i watched it this was one like i knew i knew it but i just mm. couldn't remember if i'd seen it and i don't know if i ever would have seen it if you hadn't suggested it so thank you very much for suggesting it that was a good one i think and a good episode uh right then oh my favorite my favorite time <laughs> my favorite time of the podcast josh you're picking next week's film what are we going to be watching? You better wow me. I want this to be amazing. I want my head to explode with this choice. Go on. Next week, we are watching Rocky Balboa. Ah. That is the 2006 Rocky film. Rocky Balboa. That is what we're watching. Rocky Balboa. It is. Interesting. And we'll say no more. We'll, we'll say, say no more. more. We'll, we'll say, say no more. Because I got stuff to say. 
Oh, I got stuff oh. to say. So, how very exciting! Yes, join us next week when we will be talking about Rocky Balboa from 2006. In the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with us, it's films in that part at gmail.com. We are on all the social medias Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Check us out. Search for Just Films and That, Just Films and That pod. You'll find us. We're always trying to put stuff out there. Get in touch. We'd like to hear from you. We'd like to hear what, what films you think we should do, because Simon did. We're also on the television set, aren't we, Alice? We are indeed. We are on the local TV network every Friday from 6pm, talking about all our favourite underrated and underseen films. So if you live in Birmingham, Bristol, Leeds, Liverpool, or the northeast of England, you can find us on Channel 7 on Freeview, or if you live in North Wales or South Wales, you can find us on Channel 8 on Freeview, or if you have Sky and you live anywhere in in the UK, you can find us on channel 188. That is every Friday from 6pm on the local TV network. Yes, there we go. All that remains to be said is thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week. It's goodbye from me. Cheerio! Bye! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.